Fans about films. Nerdy and informative. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to the newest episode of Fans About Films. Speaking to you, as always, is Lasse Vogt, creator and host. And again, I was uh, searching Twitter high and low and came across somebody uh, through his funny tweets. Um, yeah, as, as it happens with uh, so many instances. And my newest guest is going to introduce himself now. My name is Jacob Scott, straight out of the little town of Wacousta, Michigan, that not a lot of people can find on a map. <laughs> well, that's oddly specific. Yep. I have a show on Twitter called Scott Live. I tend to do either every day, but I mostly do Thursdays and Fridays. Okay. Usually in the mornings and going to the afternoons. Okay. A busy schedule, uh, I take it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, what what exactly what exactly is your a process what does uh, what does it look like what what do you do and what is your inspiration for doing it well what i do is that i go into my house living room uh turn on my ps3 which i use to play movies i used to have a blu-ray player then there was a jvc dvd player now it's a ps3 and i mean i also have a ps4 but i don't really do it for movies i just do that for games uh -huh. not much of a game Uh, and then it plays on my 237 LG TV, and I usually go into the drawers where I where all the DVDs and Blu-rays are. I put one in, and I cover it on my show. That's cool. That's totally cool. I need. To, I mean, I, I did some kind of live tweet um, with some films. Um, I think I did one with Transformers 4. I did kind of one with Lone Ranger, but it was just sparingly. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like you where you cover pretty much every scene and everything that stands out to you and it's uh, yeah that, that's how i got to know you because i found uh, your live tweets very entertaining and very fun and i was like hey this guy uh, seems to have a lot to say about certain things he would be a great guest and here we are yeah and uh my inspiration though was i i didn't just live tweet on the fly i i didn't start live tweeting for like six months and then it became kind of a normal thing in just april of this year And found out that I had a lot of spare time and on my hands. And then felt, you know what? I should cover movies. <laughs> and the guy that got me to do this is Rohan. And you see me talking to him on Twitter. He's the very reason this show exists. If you also go back and Twitter search his work like Hop or The Lorax, you can see my early stuff there. That's kind of how I got the ball rolling. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, a friend of mine also inspired me to do the composer uh, interview with my, my friend Ian Crabb from uh, Citro Sound Radio. Without him, without his composer interviews, I wouldn't have gotten the idea to try it myself. Yeah, I mean, mostly I was just some stupid guy on Twitter that uh, some people either thought I was funny or wasn't. But no <laughs> one ever explicitly told me I was unfunny. Um, my comedic influences for the show... Uh, A lot of the whole Ben Stiller type of people, you know, Janine Garofalo, Bob Odenkirk, David Cross, they all have some sort of influence in my show. 
Oh yeah, you can definitely see that. You're absolutely right. I used to just be a guy who loved to tweet about animation, and then I just decided to branch out to do films. I mean, I didn't. I, I usually had kind of a basic thing. I usually did animated family movies, and I tried to move on to some more R-rated material, and uh, maybe even cover films from Adam Sandler or Kevin Smith, which I'm starting to do now. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, I mean, not the Adam Sandler stuff. I mean, it depends on what you watch. Um, I mean, I would love to see like a live tweet of Hotel Transylvania if you haven't if you haven't done already one. I I've never done it. I plan on doing that in about October. Maybe I'll even do it this month. Oh yeah, that's fitting, of course. So that's good. That's good. So yeah, and, and Kevin Smith, yeah, he's certainly a guy who um, I mean, he himself, you know, is such a fan and always talking about movies on like uh, live shows and podcasts and everything. You know, it, it would be great to live tweet one of his and kind of riff uh, on his stuff I, like he I does. I did. I covered one. I covered Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I actually got the DVD to Clerks a couple weeks ago, and I do plan on covering it. Oh, that's one of my favorites of his. I mean, that yeah. was such an inspirational film for so many people. Yeah, uh, I, I, I watched Clerks a couple of years ago and I and watched it on Amazon. I don't usually watch movies on Amazon or Netflix. I just usually go out to the video rental stores. Quite a few of them are still very active where I am. That's good. Yeah, uh, Michigan's uh, probably the big place to go if you ever want to rent movies. <laughs> it, it's still a strong business here. Oh, thank God, because it's it's certainly dying out, isn't it? Yeah, Michigan's one of the few spots where that can where you can still get some of that stuff. I used to, you know you know how I got into some of the movies. I went to the old video to go in in Frandor in Michigan. It was it's a very very fun show. That's how I kind of got into movies, and the, and they used to have these old displays of film studio logos in the place, like Paramount, Columbia Pictures, Warner Brothers. Found that pretty cool. Hmm. It's also kind of how it's also one of the reasons why I got into film studio logos in the first place. <laughs> that, that, that's good. Yeah, yeah actually, and, and I also do, yeah, of course, I always in the live tweets almost always start out with a studio logo. Like, you want to know the story of the best part joke? Yeah, sure, tell it. Um, I was watching the Benchwarmers at like the end of seventh grade. Some kid wanted to watch it. I made a joke before it started saying the Columbia Pictures logo is the best part of the movie. And then I just decided I'll put it in more of the I'll put it in more of my stuff, and it found itself into the live tweets. Uh, you can see one of my first the best part jokes in one of the early Rohans of the Lorax, which debuted the Universal logo that is probably one of my favorite film intros ever made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I did this, when I started out on the show, I didn't really know what to do. I mean, I was kind of obsessive at the start, but I kind of decided to get a little gradual with it. Decided to do something that is a lot less uh, fanboy-ish and kind of do something more general. They used to have a lot of strong emotion in there, and I don't really do that anymore. It's not my style. It was cute once, but after change of the channel, I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. I just decided to be more honest with my thoughts about films. The only one I really came close to doing that was with films like Reality Bites or Ants. Mm. Uh, Ants does not hold up, as you clearly saw in my live tweet of it a week ago. Yeah, I mean, um, I still have a soft spot for it, but um, I mean, I prefer to A Buck's Life in certain aspects, but then again, A Buck's Life does some things better than Ants. Yeah, I'm one of those people that doesn't really care much about the debate. Didn't like Ants, didn't care for A Bug's Life. 
I'm one of those people that prefer cars over a bug's life. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, cars actually has an influence in my writing. I'll tell you about that one later. Okay. But, and probably my favorite live tweet I ever did, well, the DreamWorks ones I do like doing flushed away is one I was pretty proud of that I did, where I just simply made all kinds of British jokes, just let them all go in there. Yeah, because they do it constantly in the movie. <laughs> I thought it was appropriate. I mean, I kind of I actually caught an airing of it on ABC once, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty funny. And I got the DVD of it, and it holds up better than most of the DreamWorks films from that era. Yeah, yeah, because that's the Artman influence right there. Oh, yeah, I mean, at first I thought, oh, too much DreamWorks influence, and, I, and the only DreamWorks influence was the slugs. I, they were the least funny part of the movie to me. Everything else I found hysterically funny, it's that, especially it's... the frog. Is that kind of like the predecessor of the Minions? Yeah, there. I, I even said in the live tweet, the OG Minions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, you're pretty much right. Yeah, but but <laughs> I still prefer the Slugs because they were kind of I don't know. I, I found them. I found them sometimes. Sometimes they have some amusing uh, bits. But they had a pretty. They had a cute bit every now and then. The minions actually used to have pretty cute bits in Despicable Me, but oh, they yeah. grew a little tiresome in Despicable Me Two, and then they really didn't work in Minions and Despicable Me Three. Despicable Me Three is one of my least favorite animated films ever made. I didn't even see that one. I, I gave up after the Minions movie. I was like, I'm, I'm I mean, done. I'm I never totally gave done. up on Illumination because I used to love Despicable Me, The Lorax. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and Despicable Me too, and then you know I saw Life of, and I, I used to like him until I came across Ralph Seppe, and he did a. I don't even like the guy anymore, but he did a very good analysis on Minions, and it's probably the only thing I still watch from him. Yeah, I saw that one. Stuff together. I saw that one too. Yeah, that was pretty informative. Yeah, it, it's pretty clear he does know what he's talking about, but now it's just getting ridiculous. Like his deleted Last Jedi review on Letterboxd, that was shameful. And Last Jedi, I even live-tweeted that movie once, and it was all a big day I planned. Dedicated 100% to covering The Last Jedi, went crazy about it, and it started kind of like a new style in my videos, that, in my um, live-tweets, that you'd later find with something like Megamind, if you ever want to watch, look at that. Well, you looked at Megamind, yeah, it's pretty much something related to The Last Jedi. Uh, I also did that for Spider-Man 2, even a bit of Iron Man, I covered that film once. Spirit, The Incredibles, the Toy Story trilogy, and I brought it back for Koyana Scotsy, one of the ones I'm most proud of. That's also the oldest film I've live tweeted. Oh, okay. I mean, we, we, we could talk a whole lot about film criticism and stuff like that and the live tweets, but I mean, I really enjoy live tweets, especially when uh, they do it like you, because you, you always like uh, film clips and you film your reactions and uh, because uh, when when you know what you're t uh, when people know what you're talking about it's it's really really funny it's not like you know somebody live tweets a book you've never read and you're like what <laughs> that's kind of my style just it's sort of like you have to watch enough of these kinds of movies to get the jokes i'm making i think the one Williams i'm most proud of was one that just perfectly clicked when i did sinbad when you discovered my work Mm -hmm. uh, it was my reference to both a Goofy movie and Megamind where Sinbad says, after today, I then said, gonna talk to Roxanne and not feel like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just perfect.
perfectly clicked. I knew I had to insert that one in. I often give out my legitimate thoughts during the live tweets. I mean, I used to start out as like a cinema sins influence, but now it's a uh, I keep only a little bit of it in there, but only with their best stuff. I don't hate CinemaSins as much as everyone else, but they've been problematic. My least favorite of their work was 10 Cloverfield Lane, one of my all-time favorite movies. Okay, I didn't see that. I'm not interested in that, uh, in, 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 in the Cloverfield series. <laughs> but, no, uh, I don't plan on watching the first one because T.J. Miller, who they should really replace with for Dragon 3... Maybe get his guy on the Big Hero 6 show. Ah, okay. Who knows? That would have been my choice. Or Bo Burnham. Who knows what they will do, like, with certain uh, people. Like, yeah, I actually do like the How to Train Your Dragon films. I just don't really want to live tweet them anytime soon. I'll, I might save them for a special occasion, like, when 3 comes out, but oh, I don't yeah. know. It would be good, you know, topical. Kind of like in preparation a few days before you watch the third one. That would be good. Yeah, um, I actually do like to do the in anticipation of I covered The Incredibles the same day I covered Incredibles 2. I was going to do an episode next week, then I ran into my best friend and nothing for two weeks. <laughs> oh yeah, some, yeah, yeah, sometimes stuff comes up. Oh yeah, I ran into my friend, we hung out for a while. Uh, well, I don't remember being the guy that was bashed in school, but apparently I was. <laughs> Maybe you erased that from your memory. I, I don't know how I'd erase that from my memory. Then again, I tend to erase a lot of things before I turn seven. Yeah, pretty much everybody um, erases how horrible they were during puberty uh, to their parents. Nobody can remember that except for the parents. Yeah. <laughs> That's a strange well, phenomenon that uh, came to me a few, few years ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least I kind of got it earlier. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, uh, but but there was there was one there was one thing during your live tweet. Um, I don't remember what movie it was, but it was basically you were just filming the screen, and you were you were laughing hysterically. I, I do that all the time. Yeah, but which one was that? You just let the scene play, and was something like forty uh, seconds long. It was. So funny, and and I don't remember what movie it was. in the Boss Baby live tweet. That was with the Elvis part. Yeah, yes, I like the Boss Baby. I think that it it starts out all right, but man, do those last ten minutes feel like forever? They could have just cut it down to like three minutes. Would have been fine. Yeah, and what good if would it would be just, good? Just when... the moment with the Elvis impersonators is just brilliant. I think that they should have made the movie about a society of Elvis impersonators. Would have just sounded like classic DreamWorks. They will do like a spin-off or something. I can I can feel I mean, it. That that just depends on what Tom McGrath would have thought though, and maybe he will get to that someday. But the boss baby was one of those where like they they just had to because the the idea is kind of fun, but they don't stick with the rules. Especially like at the end, you know, it totally It totally leaves you like hey, what? Because they they don't follow their own rules and that really frustrated us. But I I went there with um, two of my brothers. The, the one was like a ten, and the other one is just a few years younger than me. And the Elvis part came up, and bo and all three of us we just couldn't stop laughing. We were like we totally we totally didn't expect that kind of joke in this movie. <laughs> Elvis yeah, Elvis um... language. <laughs> 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, thank you. Hold on, baby. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello, my royal secret brother. What? Hey, baby. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Oh no, it's been nabbed by some bandito. He got a buddy suit dressing like a plague suit and had Anna Ray. There we go! I'm it, I'm it, I'm it. Whoa, baby! Oh, what? Whoa! The devil in disguise. The devil in disguise. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. It was so incredibly funny. <laughs> but yeah, the rest, it's just. I, I don't know, because it's, it's really a shame that that movie got a Best Animated Feature nomination and Captain Underpants didn't. Because yeah, that was Lego Batman and well for me Cars Three. Like Cars Three is one of the films I felt strongest about. I even live tweeted earlier. It like in the very early days of the show, I did a whole live tweet about it. Cars Three is actually one of four movies that ever got me to cry. Oh, okay, because I, I don't have any connection to that series. I find it boring, flat, annoying. It's because a, a lot of people hated the second one. I actually liked that one because I went into it with the lowest of expectations because I just hated the first one so much. And then it was just like, hey, the spy stuff is fun. You know, the racing stuff still is boring, but at least, you know, they do some uh, good spy stuff. So um, I, I actually liked it for that reason. Is it objectively a worse movie than the first? Oh, Story-wise? Yeah. Story oh, yes. Oh, yes, it is. But um, it, it gives you some spy spectacle. It gives you actually cars getting killed, which I really enjoyed. There's a little charm to that, but, you know, I, I love the original. I think it is one of, I think it is Pixar's most undervalued film. Ah, yeah, well. It's, but... it's the first Pixar movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh, and yeah. I can tell you that the first ten minutes of the movie turned me into a racing addict like that yeah it's it's kind of yeah i, I, I can get that. that feeling from my twitter account and yeah i'm into nascar but i'm not one of those kinds of nascar fans i'm i'm not the kind of guy that wants to make america great again and they wave confederate flags on their school buses all those guys yeah yeah they're 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 the media stereotype of the sport and it isn't funny it's kind of sad yeah and then and then always yeah yeah, no, but there was actually a pretty good Bristol race uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, it's a shame the race was sponsored by the NRA. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but if you take that out of it, it was still a spectacular race. Like, there was stuff happening every single lap. So, um, yeah, um, dear listeners, um, if this episode was um, supposed to be about the main topic of... Um, uh, movie ideas that we have yep. and not like you know future uh, ideas for future movies and it's not like ideas hollywood is uh, uh, is coming up with uh, right now yeah. because it, it's actually movie ideas both of us um have and and the, the topic came from you so um i would really like to hear your opinion and what ideas you have and <laughs> i have some some ideas for that well I have quite a few ideas for films. Uh, I have an idea about a man who, a young college student who views himself as the protagonist of his own story until he finds out that his roommate is just a much better person and he goes crazy. That sounds kind of, that sounds pretty interesting. That sounds kind of like something Shyamalan would come up with. Another one is in which uh, three childhood friends uh, meet up in a city bar and... It turns out that one of them is tied to a technological American conspiracy. 
and they have to get him out of it while also realizing that this is almost exactly like the adventures they had as kids. Okay. Also, sounds pretty cool. Another idea I have is a satire of the dude bro wedding crashers hangover kind of comedies. <laughs> which is about how the directors are generally terrible people and they get in a lot of trouble. It's very antagonist-focused. Okay. Kind of like uh, Wolf of Wall Street, another one of my favorite movies. Ah, I, I see what uh, where you're going with this. Okay. Yeah. The next one, another idea I have is about a corrupt band manager entirely ruining a promising band. All because he couldn't get off of the drugs. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's sort of your conventional music story record company thing, but from the perspective of the owner. Ah, okay. Yeah, but 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 also but also kind of could be a movie about the antagonist. Yeah, that one is about the antagonist because. You'd think that I would, I mean, judging from all my stories, I kind of discovered that I'm the guy that tells the story about the villain, not the hero, which is so different from the projects that a lot of people like to tend to like about me the best. The next one is about a kingdom in the modern digital age that gets hacked and they lose literally everything, so they decide to start from the ground up. Oh, What, elaborate on that. What what exactly do they do? It's a kingdom that's sort of a combination of Western European kingdoms. Mm -hmm. uh, King Horst is very, very proud of his kingdom since they are one of the richest nations in the entire world. And when you're one of the richest nations in the entire world, someone's going to want your stuff. So yeah. they just decide to rob the kingdom. And then King Horst has to completely reevaluate his entire life and turn it into something new. And turning into an actual good king. Okay, okay, I'm with you. That sounds I'm good. Kind of, I'm kind of thinking on the name for the antagonists, but they're kind of a pastiche on Russia. Ah, okay. And Siberia. I see, but it's kind of like, you know, um, like a mixture of certain things to make it uh, kind of like over the top and fictitious. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I kind of want to keep it more in the USSR sense than the modern sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that would be nice. Kind of like a mixture of uh, throwaway, but also like a commentary on the modern technology world. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to set it about mm, 20 years from now in order to really enhance the whole digital age idea. Most of my other ideas, they're period pieces. Ha! Uh, but more period pieces that would be about 50 years old by now. Mm -hmm. um, the whole music idea, that's, that's set from 1970 to 1977. I, I'll tell you about other ideas I used to have, but I've either repurposed them or I just don't do them anymore. One was an I, one was an was an adventure comedy about two ex-cons deciding to go around the world thinking they're going to be knighted. I see. I mean, maybe I could recraft that, but 
I just don't see where it could stand now. I mean, it kind of turned itself into that three childhood friends plot. Uh, and the ex-cons, what do they do? They go into a territory without passports because it's, it's kind of in an alternate United States where you had to have passports to get into the other territories. Yeah, that weird kind of thing. And commercial flight isn't a thing, so they have to drive. There's a sequence I came up with where these two guys, they're, they're driving across the Bering Strait, and they end up outrunning lawmen and end up crossing the international date line and then just go on a crazy run through the entirety of the other side of the world. <laughs> from England to... It's actually from Russia to England. Just They go the entire opposite direction on the globe. All right, all right. Um, counterclockwise, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you'd think it'd be easier for them just to get to England... But then they come up with that plan when they're in prison. So then it kind of makes sense with the story. Mm -hmm. Another story I had was about this documentarian being captured and him working to get out of there. And uh, I just dropped that one. I'm, I'm kind of thinking of bringing it back as sort of a thriller, but I just don't see where I can go with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, a, it's an intriguing idea but it's also you know i mean uh some films have been made with kind of like kind of like a similar approach um like i mean i mean like uh, several films about snowden like that that uh, ben affleck argo uh film i mean that's it's not exactly the same but it has some similar themes in a way um, yeah. with, with movie and, and politics and, and and stuff like that and um yeah i'm kind of trying to go across in a clever new way of telling these kinds of stories i'm a guy who normally does comedy i don't do a lot of comedic stories i love comedies i especially love animated comedies but i just am trying to find the perfect premise to tag on to i have other premises that are connected to other properties mm -hmm. uh, i have sort of a mini fan fiction for get this sky high <laughs> nice And a Die Hard sequel that's about Lucy McLean rather than John McLean. Why? John McLean gets killed very early. Yeah, might be for the best the way the um, series kind of uh, went in recent memory. Yeah, I'm kind of. Th I mean, I just kind of hope that uh, it's kind of sad what they did to Mary Elizabeth Winstead for Die Hard Five. You have Bruce Willis, who's gonna be his sidekick. Jai Courtney, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in Smash the previous year and was in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, but she's a woman. more than that guy. She's a woman, you know. It's uh, that, 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 movie, yeah. that movie was a piece of crap anyways. And actually, she yeah. is uh, she's completely cut out of the director's cut. Exactly. I know all about it. I watched the Matthew Buck video about that. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, I did too. God. Yeah. That movie was yeah, that was just sad. Yeah, that movie was a total catastrophe. So much. Yeah. So and many... John Moore wanted the film to be done at 185 just for the truck scene, but then he doesn't know how to change aspect ratios. That's what I got from it. <laughs> I mean, he could have at least gone to Christopher McQuarrie, who completed Jack Reacher. He could have given him a few pointers, but 
Maybe he has a phobia of Christopher McQuarrie. I don't know. No, nobody can give John Moore any kind of advice. He's he's a dude who doesn't learn at all. Like all of yeah, his films, I mean, he have... looks like me, but can't direct. He looks. Like... I, I, I never directed actors either, but I I look up videos to know how to direct actors. I read about how actors have directed their directors have directed their actors. Yeah, well, this this guy can't do anything. He can. He's kind of like the yeah, white. He's he, just a he's big, the, shouty little man that I'm. That only Bruce Willis would have come up with if you know the history of the production. A cop out. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah, I read about that, and the title was a couple of dicks. Should have kept it that way. <laughs> That's actually a pretty cute title. Yeah, and it doesn't really sound like something Kevin Smith would have come up with. But yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in watching Cop Out. I I heard about it when uh, it was coming out. Actually, when I was about eight, never wanted to see it. Uh, but I heard about how terrible it was. It's a Warner Brothers studio comedy before they did Game Night. That kind of tells you the story. Yeah, but I mean, there have been other good Warner Brothers comedies before Game Night. I mean. There have been there have been some some decent ones. I mean, it was like I mean now, uh, uh, uh New Line Cinema uh, uh, is distributed by uh, Warner Bros. and they did um what was it? Yeah, uh, it's a ho horrible. Line. Horrible bosses was good. Uh, I'm not really into that sort of thing. Okay, but I liked it. It was I, a good I, premise. I saw Horrible Bosses too on uh, one of those movie channels. I think it was VH1 or. TBS or Comedy Central or Paramount Network. I don't know what it is. They tend to air the same stuff. But yeah, I just watched after the first 15 minutes. I may have watched the first half hour, giggled a couple times, didn't find it that funny. But then again, it's Horrible Bosses too. Yeah. And I know all about how bad Hangover Part 2 and Part 3 were. I just watched the end of Part 3 just so I could watch that Ed Helms comedy special on Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah, Horrible Bosses 1 is better than the second one, of course. Yeah, I kind of get the sense. Uh, I'll, I'll come across... I, I do tend to come and find it whenever it's on the television, but I tend to prefer Judd Apatow or Seth Rogen. Oh, yeah, I that style. Yeah. much funnier. Um, Apatow, I find to be a very funny comedian. He does um, some. He does some very. I really like Knocked Up. Um, that, that, that's that, good. That, that movie I really like. Um, he did also the stuff he produced. Stuff like um, uh, I, f I think he produced like uh, Super Bad. I like that one. He um, did. He, um, there was some. My other... favorite one he produced was Walk Hard the Dewey Cox Story, which I think is Talladega Nights, but I find it to be much funnier. I'm a NASCAR fan. I, I, you'll have to buy a widescreen copy of Talladega Nights to get all the goofs on there. It is spectacular. Okay, okay, sounds good. But yeah, um, I wanted to say one more thing about John Moore. To me, he's like the white Tyler Perry. Um, That's... <laughs> I mean, he did, the, only, the only difference is he does action. Like the other one, because he, he's just as untalented. It's uh, it's it's quite amazing, but I I don't know if he has anything, if he has done anything after Die Hard Five. I hope not. I heard he did one thing, but I think it's just some video on demand thing. Oh, that thank Christ. Nobody even talked about. That's good because that that dude seriously, all of his films have been terrible, and he he still got these jobs. I I find it always so baffling. Some people so like behind enemy lines and. Flight of the Phoenix and the Omen pretty much tarnished any respect they had, and that's not even talking about Max Payne, 
Heard everybody hated that movie, and I'm not inclined to check it out. That movie is so horrendous. I should watch it? <laughs> no, no, really, really not. It makes you miserable beyond belief, and nothing about it makes any sense. I've seen Christmas with the Cranks and Project X. Oh, God. I, I've seen Christmas with the Cranks in the theater back when it came out. You were 12, weren't you? Yeah, I was I was little, and of course I found it funny because I was a stupid little kid. And then, then I watched a review of it a few years later, and I was like, oh, no, this is... This is this is total. This is just a catastrophe. Yeah. Project X is pretty much. It's every single teen movie you've ever seen and haven't seen put into a blender. I haven't even seen many teen movies, and I know exactly what's trying to rip off. It rips off the entire some of the big plot threads from Can't Buy Me Love and Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles, Mean Girls. And the big offender, super bad. Yes, exactly. Um, it's it, that is one of the that is pretty much one of the worst teen comedies ever made. Yeah, the only teen comedies I watch: Diary of a Wimpy Kid. They're at least safe and mildly amusing. Aren't they like? Except for the fourth one, that was awful. I mean, they they are they are not even teen comedies; they're kids' comedies. Yeah, aimed at children, but some people consider them part of the teen movie genre because teens like those kinds of things. I mean, I used to be a Diary of a Wimpy Kid addict back when they used to be popular, believe me. The books? I even have a poster in my room. The books are just the movies. Um, yeah, but less funny. Oh, okay, okay. Because... I mean, I I remember... I mean, after I did Long Haul, that live tweet... I just decided to maybe read Dog Days and The Last Straw. They're funny stuff. Oh well, I I only I've only seen the fourth one, because I oh. know about the books. I've read some of the books, and when I came um, and when I came to terms with everybody in these in this in these books is a dick, like every well, yeah everybody like I can't root for anybody, and they. It's always their fault that they are put in these horrible situations. It's it's total. It's just white people whining. It's awful. It is kind of a uh, eh, somewhat like that, though. Uh, it can actually be pretty funny sometimes. I tend to have more of a higher preference to them because, well, hey, I, well, I liked them when I was younger. I actually covered the old Iron Wimpy Kid. I didn't like the first one. I actually liked the second and third. They were very funny. It's all because of two things. Devin Bostick and Robert Capron. They're great. <laughs> okay. No, really. I really think they did great jobs portraying their characters. Zachary Gordon's okay as Greg. Yeah, all right. Yeah, the fourth one was just... Jesus. <laughs> was, yeah, that I one was, was awful. I was sitting there. So because the, uh, I, I went there with my little brother um, because he wanted to see it. And... Um, the theater was pretty much like half full and uh, we sat kind of in the front and I I just felt everybody staring at the back of my head. Like I actually kind of felt like that and I was so ashamed sitting in this theater that when we left the auditorium, I actually put my put my face behind my hand so so nobody could see me even though i i knew nobody in this theater but i was like i don't want to be associated with this well 
I mean, I used to see the first three. In the, I saw the first three in the theater when they came out. I found pretty good when I was younger. Yeah, I'm still kind of okay with them. I, I refused to see the fourth one in theaters. I was like, when's the next Sofia Coppola movie? In terms of the Fox Family film series, um, Diary of Wimpy Kid isn't as not that good, but does have some great moments like the Night at the Museum movies. There's always that one thing I do like in the Night at the Museum films. The first film had the premise, the second had Amy Adams, the third one had the third act. Oh, okay. I, I didn't. I, I, I really didn't like the third one. I liked the first one, of course, because of a premise. I, I liked the third one um, because of um, Owen Wilson and Steve Coogan. They were both great in that. Yeah, they are. I did like... I, and Owen Wilson wasn't even credited on the first movie. Hello, he played Lightning McQueen six months ago. If anything, they should have given him credit like that. Or maybe Fox was having some sort of dispute with Disney at the time. Hmm. That no one reported about. So, um, do you want to hear some of my weird movie ideas? Let's hear your weird-ass ideas. Okay, uh, one of them was... Uh, it's, it's not so much an idea for a movie as much as, like, for a series. Kind of like, it, it could be... And it's re really a fictitious series. It's, it's about a film class. And every week they get a new teacher for um, directing. And it's every time another famous director actually the original director who tells them uh, in his or her own way um how how you know he or her directs and uh, and what uh, what exactly does he do you know because so so for one week they have hitchcock and the other week there's like kubrick in the class and then there's um spielberg tarantino you know all the uh, all the stuff you name it there was just kind of like a stupid gimmicky idea i don't know <laughs> I think it could maybe do better. Excuse me. I think it could do better as something like a comedy show. What, what's the comedy channel in Germany? Ah, uh, we have. We don't really have like a. I think the the, the comedy channel is Pro Sieben here because they they uh, they have all the sitcoms on there, uh, all the Chuck Lorre stuff and, um, and 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 some other some other things. Then of course we have a Disney Channel, where a lot of comedy is. I think there's some comedy on like RTL Zwei might be we have we have several channels and then there's uh you know comedies tend to get shown on also on not like on certain channels but like everywhere like wherever they have time and the place but yeah um if you you could do something funny with that it's just it's just a just a weird yeah, I, little idea i think it could work better as something like an animated series ah that would be good yeah just kind of like a little web series like a few minutes per episode Yeah, like four minutes on some kind of German YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I came to the idea uh, because I watched the epic rap battles of history where the movie directors um, have a rap battle. Like when Steven Spielberg versus Hitchcock, did you watch that one? Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't watch that show. Okay, because I find it very funny. I find it very funny. And first it's Spielberg versus Hitchcock. And then all of a sudden Tarantino comes in, <laughs> interrupts them, and then he he does this whole shtick. And then um, Kubrick comes in, and in every in every um, every one of these directors makes fun of Michael Bay in some way. And at the end, Michael Bay comes in on a on a helicopter with explosions, and he's like, "This is just about money, you know. <laughs> the whole business is just about money." And I found it, I found it very funny. It's very vulgar, of course, but it's it's one of their best episodes. <laughs> 
okay. And seeing all of these directors interact with each other that way kind of sparked the idea of, hey, what if, because I, uh, because I was in film class, you know, I studied film for four years uh, professionally. So it's, uh, that was kind of like my mindset. Hey, it, wouldn't it be nice if we actually were be able to have these famous directors come in as teachers from time to time? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are your other premises? Ah, uh, some other... There was one premise I had with evil Christmas decorations attacking people. <laughs> that, could do, that could be a pretty good horror tongue-in-cheek spoof film. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas kind of did that. I think there was also, like, a short film where Christmas trees come to life and attack people. I don't know which... Uh, uh, it, it, it was a pretty famous horror guy who directed it. I can't remember who. It was the same director... It was the same director who did um, uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, that guy. Um, then, there's, then was one idea uh, about a guy who um, who robs um, like uh, trucks who um, deliver to cinemas, and he steals one original film copy for his collection. Like, okay, so like a heist movie. Kind of like a heist movie, but he actually steals original film roles. But then, uh, but then I realized I kind of stole the idea from the second Artemis Fowl book. <laughs> Maybe you can have it be based on the second Artemis Fowl book. Yeah, because they are, they are currently making an Artemis Fowl movie for Disney with Kenneth Branagh as the director. So, um, and uh, Josh Gad's in it. Yeah, exactly. So that's out of the question now, but I don't know if they will do that premise because the second because in the, in the second book the the dwarf um who is played in the movie by george gad he um he steals oscars like he 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 kind of like uh, steals his own oscar collection together you know he robs like uh there's this the, the oscar for best uh for best uh you know um for best supporting actor oscar for best music blah 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 and then in the end uh, of the storyline he tries to steal a uh, best best actress but he gets caught <laughs> that could uh that could actually work but that whole idea about stealing film reels that i think that could really work if you wanted to do something like a german tribute to logan lucky or the oceans films yeah it might work because it's it's in germany very difficult to make genre films we don't do that here the only genres we do is comedy or kids movie it's very rare that you get something like i mean pretty much no you action you can have it be a comedy how about that sure sure i mean you can you can certainly um combine things um and, and they do it here sometimes because just this year you know we had a pretty epic um adventure kids uh book film uh jim button and luke the engine driver it was one of the most famous um a kids books from germany and they and they made it into a pretty hollywood worthy film you know kind of like a road trip with lots of special effects and fantasy dragons and pirates and stuff like that so that was actually kind of like out of the norm i was like wow really germany is back to producing stuff like this this is great because i mean we also did i mean a never ending story is essentially a german film yeah and uh who released that constantine <laughs> <laughs> i don't know uh, which one Never well, any... I'll probably find out about it, but it's most likely a Constantine movie since that's the only ones I tend to hear about. And us Americans know them as the company that made the Resident Evil 
Oh, and Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, you're right. No, it's actually uh, the, the Jim Button one wasn't Constantine. It was um, it was actually the distributor was Warner Brothers and it was a Red Pack, um, but not that Red Pack. We have a Red Pack here in Germany, and they do kind of like genre parodies in a way. Uh, sometimes more, but with more production value, comedies with. Um, Sometimes you know pulpy stuff. Uh, one uh, some Edgar Wallace parodies, stuff like that. So um, they they are they are certainly a company I am very fond of, and uh, they they did yeah they did some good stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't actually Constantine. So it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there was uh, there was one idea I had with an internet uh, with an online chat forum um, where when when the, the data of the users get deleted those parts of your lives get deleted like oh. hobbies friends family but i think that has been done in some film already i don't think it has that I, actually sounds really good it's something you know you could do something with this especially right now when you have certain internet horror movies doing well even though they're terrible of but you know the the the, the usual um suspect audiences don't care about that they we are just looking forward to stupid jump scares and and stuff like that. But yeah, that, that one actually uh, I found maybe it could be kind of like a commentary, it could be something psychological. Not quite sure. It's just a silly idea floating around. <laughs> that one actually does sound really good. Like their lives get deleted, they have to get him back. Yeah, actually, I mean, kind of like you know, they somebody deletes like their hobbies, and then they are they don't have that hobby anymore. Like they are not. Uh, like like they they go maybe like to to a sports club and then we're like what are you doing here you're not even a member here and stuff like that you know something like that happens um and like you know they they delete certain friends or or anything like or photos with 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 things in it and then those uh, things dis and friends disappear yeah might be you know might be fun but i don't know if it could carry a movie might might be might work i, I think it i think it could carry a movie but nice, thank you. <laughs> let's see, let's see when, how it how it could go. And I'm currently working on something. I I don't quite want to talk about it because it's something that's very serious to me, and I don't want to spoil like everything or give anybody ideas, even though I clearly mark with this that it's my idea. But I I want to do. I'm currently writing on a screenplay, and it's kind of like a Clerks style comedy. It, but but just in the way that it's all in one location, and um, it's about uh, one workday. You know, it begins in the morning, it start uh, and it ends in uh, the uh, during the night. You know, and it's it's actually mm -hmm. about um, a girl who works in a video store, and uh, it's it's about her interactions with the customers and friends and an ex boyfriend he has, uh, she has. Um, if that's pretty much it, you know, that's the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it could, uh, kind of, like, I think, though, if, I mean, video stores aren't really a thing anymore, like you said. Yeah, exactly, but, you know, it could be kind of like a nice throwback, and, uh... You can kind of maybe set it in, like, the year 2006. Uh, but, but, you know, there's still some out there, you know, you could actually do a commentary about it. Even, like, in Germany, you still have some video stores left, so... Um, it it's it is possible, and you could do a commentary about it, like how not many people come there anymore in the days of Netflix and stuff. Um, it it yeah. could it could be actually something very topical. But yeah, that's that's one of my ideas, and I'm currently working on it, so um, it's not out of the question that it 
uh, eventually gets made. I heard you did a couple of movies. I did, I did. I did uh, certain short films. Um, one of them you can actually find with English subtitles on YouTube. It's called Your Movie Sucks. <laughs> that there's already a guy called Your Movie Sucks. Yeah, exactly. But it's also it. It was actually it's actually supposed to be a reference to the Roger Ebert book Your Movie Sucks. Um, uh, that was my intention. But uh, but yeah, of course there's a guy called like that. But it's uh, yeah, I never really cared for his work. I mean, I I find him I find him entertaining, but I also find him like kind of uh, with certain things. I mean, of course we don't share the same taste, and that's fine. But sometimes he gets kind of like overly nitpicky with some stuff. But you know, it's just different strokes for different folks. If he constantly wants to look for. Uh, mistakes and and uh, be kind of miserable in that way. I still find his stuff funny. I still find uh, certain things he says pretty truthful. So I mean, to each their own, I guess. But uh, that movie is uh, that movie I did is uh, it was my um, kind of like final exam film for for my uh, for my film class. And uh, I will send you the link later um, so you can watch it. But it's about uh, it's about a film critic. Who gets paid by the studios to give good reviews to terrible films? Oh, like the David Manning thing with Sony. Yeah, kind of. That was kind of my inspiration. Uh, stories like that because I heard about certain critics who who do this, and that was that was my inspiration for it. I was like, hey, how does a person like that feel? And so I uh, constructed this whole story about him and his friends and how he wants to get out of it, but he kind of can't. And how he actually uses a pseudonym because he's so ashamed to attach his real name to this. And he has certain friends who work in film business. He has a friend who, like, delivered his first big screenplay and sold it. And he is anxious, you know, and he's like, oh, what if they screw it up? Because he doesn't have any power as an author. So yeah, um, I, I will send you the link later. It's 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 fun, you know. I got some I got some nice feedback for it, and it's it's cute like, at all. Uh, like, did you get any? Uh, did you get any awards? No, no. I just you know I just uh, it was just you know good enough that I uh, finished my when I finished my uh, film class. I was uh, you know it it has to be good enough that you don't have to repeat it again. Let's let's uh, let's say it like that. And they were very pleased with it. You know the uh, the. The teachers uh, who had to rate it, they liked it, and, and they and they told me, you know, as far as like the writing and the directing goes, leave it like that. You can you can do this, but it it certainly has some uh, some technical flaws. You know, it's not the best looking film. It's not like the most elaborately filmed movie, um, because you know I had I had uh, limited resources, and so I had to work with what I had. But they said, as far as you know, the, the directing of the actors go, and the, the pacing and the jokes, uh, you can do that stuff. And that was the stuff that was important to me. So uh, to me, it was a success. And then uh, finally, my my final idea I want to pitch to you and the world. And I did this already on Twitter. Um, my 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 big big easy film idea, the simplest idea in the world: Bruce Campbell versus Minions. I read about it. I read about that one. <laughs> I think that could be a good short film. Yeah, it could be. It, it could work as a short film because I was well, like, you... <laughs> take take the Army of Darkness, Bruce Campbell, and pair him up with the minions, and the whole movie is pretty much about him killing them with a chainsaw. <laughs> Universal will never allow this. 
Yeah, it's also, because wouldn't it be funny that actually it it would be distributed kind of like uh, by illumination and because we you always have in the beginning the logo and the minions screaming yeah screaming at you so if you happen to look away in the theater when the logo comes up you still hear the name because god forbid you sit there and not one second of your day isn't filled by thoughts of illumination they are the most obnoxious animation company in the world right now that's because you haven't heard of vanguard <laughs> i guess yeah oh um vanguard they made space chimps too i covered it on my show Oops. i consider it to be the single worst film ever made <laughs> oh i would challenge you on what is the single worst film ever made but uh consider it to be the single worst film ever made is because the protagonist is pointless oh okay uh i'm yeah. with you there uh the animation is astoundingly awful it even <laughs> clips at a couple of points oh boy the main conflict doesn't happen until 46 minutes in to the 76 minute movie wow the main protagonist doesn't even face the antagonist because the antagonist is somewhere else. Okay. Is this is this something that was like theatrical or is it just some some stupid direct Only in the UK it was theatrical. It was direct to video in the States. Oh, okay. Oh man. Sounds sounds bad. <laughs> it's a it sounds sequel. truly bad. I even live tweeted it. You can look at it. Twitter moments are accessible on my account okay okay i will that sounds that sounds fascinating <laughs> yep yeah but uh, right now illumination is just the worst because they also start so early with trailers mm -hmm. and they bombard you with the marketing with the advertising and they always put like the references in it like it's so like um when you have in front of what was it in front of, I think it was in in, in front of uh, the, the trailer, like the Secret Life of Pets, when they had yeah, like that was a year in advance. Yeah, but but there was like you know in the trailer of Secret Life of Pets, you had from the studio that brought you Sing when Sing wasn't even out yet, but the trailer yeah. still, it's it's so incredibly obnoxious. It's clear that they spent only like a minute budget on story and script. Because the animation is still good, but most of their budget well, goes... Well, character designs are debatable. Yeah, of course, but the animation quality itself. The, 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 the designs are kind of weird and sometimes too simple, but but the quality, you know, it's nice. It's it's certainly not something you would see on a, like, a direct-to-DVD shelf thing, but um, yeah, I think most, um, most of their budget... Just... Most of their budget goes to advertising, clearly. I'm gonna say it. Universal's best animated film this millennium was Curious George. <laughs> Haven't even heard of that one. Oh, that I one! With, with, a little, with a little a monkey. I kind of love that movie. With a little monkey, you're right. Yeah, and in Germany, that's also uh, quite uh, the big figure. I didn't watch that because it, it didn't look like something that was uh, catered to my age group. So I was like, oh, this is for little kids. Don't need to see it. Yeah, except Will Ferrell has probably his best performance in it. I would challenge you on that, and I say the Lego movie. Mm -hmm. He's great in that as well. But 
I think Will Ferrell is just a better actor when he's playing towards the young audience. Yeah, he is. He is. That's him at his very best. One exception. I like him in Anchorman. He really works in Anchorman for me. The kind of this because normally Will Ferrell kind of annoys me because he's just always screaming. Um, he he's screaming so much, but in Anchorman, this kind of false machismo um, character. I enjoy that shtick. Yeah, that does tend to be one of his better shticks, but I just want to hear Will Ferrell do another family movie because uh, our next generation of kids will need their Will Ferrell and they shouldn't start with Daddy's Home 2. Maybe he returns in the second Lego film. I don't know. I don't know if he will, but I highly doubt it. I mean, it could be the trailer doesn't really tell you uh, many details, you know, so um, it, it could be that he returns. If it's going to be announced, it's going to be announced like a week in advance of the film's release. Yeah, when it's actually considered a spoiler or something. I don't know. Like, I'm open to it. Or maybe they show him, like, getting brutally killed in the opening recap. (laughs) Oh, that would would be dark, like uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies kind of dark. If it hasn't come out yet here, I, I, I really want to see it. Well, I'm going to give you a warning. Okay. We're going to be howling with laughter so much that you'll probably, people will be hearing your laughter outside the theater. Oh, the last time that happened to me was was with Captain Underpants. I was completely alone in the theater with my little brother. We were the only ones. And I was like, thank God, because I probably would have been kicked out. I laughed so loud. I fell out of my chair. I I laughed so hardly I couldn't believe it during that movie. I mean, the only time that happened was probably the Lemon 714 scene in The Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, yeah, that one. Like, when I was watching it on FX, I just fell out of that couch laughing. (laughs) Because I found that scene that funny. Yeah, sometimes... What was, like, uh, just a quick tangent... What was your best audience reaction in the in the cinema? Like, uh, and that includes also like you. What was like the, the biggest, greatest reaction? Either like maybe a shock moment or a laugh moment or, or something or like a cheer moment. Can you can you recall any um, anything from your movie going experiences? If you want to call, if you want to go for cheer moment. Nothing quite like the time I watched The Force Awakens in theaters. People were going insane. I was doubting how good it would be until I heard the reviews. It took me about 20 seconds to go, this is going to be awesome. When the title came up? Yeah, and when the film actually started, I just applauded with that first opening shot. I knew I was going to get something special with this movie. I really like that one. You know, other times in the theater where I just go insane. Kubo and the Two Strings. Mm-hmm. The movie starts. After the first three minutes, I'm like, this is amazing! Yeah, it's a really amazing movie. Yeah, I actually tried to show it to some people. They didn't know what the heck it was. Yeah, nobody knew. Like, it, it, it the only time, it was kind of like the only chance I, I, I got to see it in the cinema because I went to a sneak peek. And they, uh, you know, and, and we didn't know what movie came on. I was alone there with a full theater of strangers. And then, you know, it. I see, like, the Leica logo. And I was like, oh, can it be? And then um, that movie starts. And some people immediately walked out. 
because they, of course, you know, they don't want to see a kids movie, whatever. But it was like, and, and when it didn't came to theaters, at least not near me, it, it didn't came, it didn't come to to to, to theaters in, in Germany because I think that kind of film is like difficult to market because it's not quite your typical kids movie. It's quite dark and uh, and all that stuff. So I can understand that. I mean, Box Trolls got a wide release there, but that's the most harmless one of like. Uh, let's be fair. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna watch Coraline when I was eight. It was too scary. My, my parent my parents saw it was too scary. Watch it years later. I'm like, this is just a good movie. I have yet to rewatch it later, but I think it's gonna be really disturbing. Um, that's actually my best friend's favorite movie of all time. Oh, okay. Um... Uh, Paranorman, I think, is, is an amazing movie. Uh, I almost saw it in theaters. Didn't really want to do it. Then I watched it on Netflix. I was amazed. It was. It. It's, a, it's a great film. Everything about it. It's. Yeah, it's. I consider it to be the. If it wasn't for Kubo, that'd be my favorite film they did for a long time. Kubo was my favorite film of 2016. Then I saw Ten Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> All right, but um. Yeah, I wish I saw Ten Cloverfield Lane in theaters. I love that movie that much. Yeah, I was totally confused by that film's marketing because I was I was at some movie I don't know which one it was. I think I was in uh, Goosebumps in the Goosebumps film, and then uh, this trailer comes up f with like you know Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman. I was like, okay, this looks interesting. What is this? And I found it very intriguing. And then at the end. The title, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I was like, what? What? What is this? Is this... Has this something to do with that Cloverfield movie from a couple of years it, ago? It has pretty much nothing to do with Cloverfield. That's but about the only connection it has aside from the ending. Yeah, yeah, but, but it actually, you know, it is part, kind of like part of that universe. So I was totally confused... And I was like, why haven't I heard of this before? And then I was like, oh, yeah, of course, because J.J. Abrams is behind it and he's the greatest keeper of secrets in Hollywood. Not according to my dad. Oh. He doesn't like J.J. Yeah, but, but, but you can't deny that he's great at keeping secrets. Except for Into Darkness. Yeah, but because but I, that I also... Because that, that's another point uh, in terms of audience reactions. They, they, nobody knew... That it it would be Khan, you know, it's um like dear listener, spoiler alert for Star Trek Into Darkness, <laughs> but I guess most yeah. most people uh, watch that one. But nobody had an idea. Like I think uh, I think some people who know Star Trek they were they were watching the trailers like okay if this isn't Khan he's gonna be a Khan esque character. But also on IMDb it didn't say at the time. And uh, so that totally took me by surprise and I knew that I would really enjoy this because when he reveals himself and I was sitting there in the theater, like surrounded by people, and then he says, my name is Khan. The whole theater was like, oh, and I was like, oh, this is great. I'm sitting here with a bunch of fans. <laughs> if I want to tell you my favorite scene I ever saw in a theater, I already talked about the opening 10 minutes to Cars. It was the supremacy sequence in The Last Jedi. It's the scene where Ray gets into the supremacy ship and is taken with Kylo Ren. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Snoke gets cut in half. Yeah. That's, I call it the supremacy sequence. Oh, okay. And then that's not even the best part of the scene. Holdo's sacrifice. 
when I saw that in theaters, I was like, what is this? I was, I was like, I could hear my own heartbeat when that happened. Yeah, yeah. That's probably, the, it was the first, I mean, I could feel that my mind was blown mm-hmm. after that scene. It's kind of why Last Jedi is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I I could see that. Like I, it, I didn't I didn't expect that kind of scenario. I was like, oh, this is this is cool. And then of course, some theaters had to do like what was it? Issue, like, issue silence warnings because apparently middle American standards. Yeah, middle Americans don't understand that sometimes a movie goes quiet for artistic purposes. So stupid. I mean, they, I mean, if a film's going to go quiet for artistic purposes, it would have issued warnings during Wally because there's no dialogue for about 20 minutes in that film. I consider the exposition by uh, advertisement dialogue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, because uh, may- maybe it, you you could be right. Maybe there were like some complaints by people like, why isn't anybody talking? Why isn't anybody explaining what's going on on screen? Why just these two robots? Who knows? Maybe some people were even too stupid for Wally. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. I mean, I was too stupid for it, and I saw it years later. I'm like, this is one of Pixar's greatest movies. I love and it, and it maintains a pretty high place in my rankings. Yeah, I love it. It's it's wonderful. I one of those people who pretty much likes it from beginning to end. Like yeah. I I think on a on on some artistic levels the uh, the first half is stronger, but it's 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 still. Like uh, the the big reveal shot of uh, of the Axiom when with all the people you know in their kind of like in, in a floating wheelchairs, uh, and you see yeah. all of these brands, all of these advertisings, and you just see what humanity has become. I was mind blown yeah, at I that time. Yeah, I think that was directly lifted from Koyana Scotsy, or if not directly lifted, then very much influenced from it, mm-hmm. because the music uh, it's not similar to the Grid, but it has a similar feel to it uh and andrew stanton i I know is a huge movie watcher i haven't i don't he doesn't talk anymore on twitter but he makes it very clear in his tweets that he loves to talk about films yeah and i'm pretty sure he saw it for wally yeah oh that's that's so cool he didn't then he saw it before yeah but um i think my favorite like 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 the best theater reaction ever was during the avengers um, because I was some of those people who doubted it in advance. I was like, this kind of movie can never work. Never. It's gonna crash and burn. Like, it's this is too big of a risk, this kind of superhero uh, mashup concept with all of these characters. And r- right now, you know, considering Infinity War, it seems kind of stupid to, to say that about the first Avengers, but I was one of those people who really, who really wasn't looking forward to that in that regard. And like uh, there were like two moments. Once when the title screen comes up, the Avengers, and then you hear the Alan Silvestri theme. That was the moment where I, where I was like, okay, I'm going to love this movie. <laughs> and then the Hulk Loki scene, um, puny god. Yeah, that's funny. Where Hulk is throwing Loki all across the floor. Yeah, that was the best theater reaction i ever had because the whole theater was howling they were falling from the seats and clapping and cheering and just laughing and yelling it was amazing it was so 
great. I, I, I loved being in that theater with those people. It was, it was truly, that was one of the greatest cinema moments ever. I think the moment where everyone laughed the most was during the opening Illumination logo to Despicable Me 3. Okay. They've never seen the mouse that roared, I guarantee you that. Oh, well, because I, I still have to see that one, but I don't know if I want to. <laughs> don't. It's I, awful. I will watch The Grinch, after all. Um, do you remember the THX Deep Note? Yes. Oh, everyone remembers that. That was a rhetorical question. Um, it's probably my favorite sound in cinema history. That was kind of like the thing, oh, wow, now it's it's coming up now because my uh, our local theater does kind of like an updated version where you have, like, flowers. Uh, oh, oh, that... Oh, the, the one that was on the Avatar DVD, yeah. Ah, maybe it's that's, that one, yeah. Because they... that was, That's actually one of my least favorites, because... Well, you remember the THX trailer with the conductor's hand? I think so, yeah. It's, it's also one of the only other moments in film which my mind just blew. Uh, I almost fainted listening to it once. It was that good. And I was watching it on a little smartphone screen. Imagine that in a theater. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't they do, like, a parody of that in either Animaniacs or the Looney Tunes? It, it was a Tiny Tune. They did parody that, and Tiny that Tunes. was pretty funny. Tiny Tunes, yeah, where it's, like, with the whole the, the, the whole theater, like, and then the, a voice comes on, the audience oh, is now deaf. <laughs> um, but then again, you know, my generation remembers THX by either screaming during it or the one with the little robot. Yeah, the little robot. I remember that. Yeah, that one is a pretty good one. It's uh, another great piece of sound mixing. Um, in fact, if I ever, ever want to get my movies made, I kind of want to have the THX deep note before each one of them. If it would be great. Because when I think of THX, I think of films that beg to be seen in a theater. But because that, That's why the THX logo is still so great, because it's kind of like, hey, this is the sign that the movie is about to start now. Not quite, but uh, after this, after this, it will, it will, uh, it will turn on. And it was like, okay, now we are getting serious. The sound tells you, you, we are getting serious now. So be quiet, sit down. We're about to start. That's always, you know, this is kind of like the anticipation sound. Yeah, um, I kind of wish they still played it. Yeah, because like I said, in my local theater, they still do that with the Avatar in front of every film. I just wish they played Cavalcade, you know, the one with the thunderstorm. Oh, that, that yeah. Yeah, that one is another one of my personal favorites. Just, that is such a cool intro. It was largely lifted from Terminator 2. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, who knows, maybe they, they get it back i'm not i'm not quite sure like i'm uh, just waiting for the day that they do and if they do i'm buying that blu-ray <laughs> yeah yeah oh man uh good times good times yeah so um you want to hear my big premise the one that's going to close out the show yes please do tell it will be told entirely in full in 1895 the first film studio mascot was born Madame Marguerite. She ran the opening guard, the institution where film studio logos are a part of all across the world. 75 years later, 
Leo the MGM Lion has fallen on hard times. During the auction, he roars so loud, others can hear him. Then the Columbia Lady, the protagonist of the film, tries to see what's going on, but Leo doesn't want to see anybody. She just leaves. Sixteen years later, Columbia has relocated to Warner Brothers, where she works with the Warner Brothers Shield. That She pretty much lives a life of illusion. And is... And the whole point of that opening, she is perpetually unhappy, which she learns to discover when she does something very important. One night, Madame Marguerite calls Columbia. She says, hey, we're going to take the MGM lion over here into the millions. Want to do it? Columbia says yes. Columbia then goes to the Hawthorne Airport, gets on the Rutan Long Easy, then has the meeting with Madame Marguerite and Hodkinson, the Paramount. Then they get animal control, which they call in advance without Columbia's knowledge. Columbia still works anyway and is a little uncomfortable, but kind of hangs out with the officer, Rebecca, one of the few human characters in the film. Columbia then tries to find Leo. And when Leo awakens, she's afraid. She doesn't know what to do. But Leo actually talks to her and makes a polite conversation. Then Leo gets shot. Columbia then gets very angry and yells at Marguerite. Marguerite arrests her. We're in trouble. Then Columbia's old friend, the Universal Globe, named Carl, <laughs> finds out about this and decides to help out. Meanwhile, Carl, the Fox Mount, the Fox Monument, Daryl. They all go out to the Milias in an rescue attempt. But they decide not to do it because they could get in trouble as well, but they are allowed on the ship anyway. Columbia then reunites with Carl, and they, and they just simply share a glance before Columbia runs up to hug him. Then they are told to have a dinner, where they... Then Madame Marguerite orders Columbia to a dinner. Columbia just decides to order some salad for the dinner, and Madame, Mar and Madame Marguerite tells her that you are going to have at least three days to get yourself, says, you're going to be staying here forever. Columbia makes an ultimatum. She is going to give, she then says that they should give her three days to tell her why her and Leo should exit. Marguerite accepts the term. The following evening, that she is sent into the Hall of Lost Mascots and ends up forming a, cl a close bond with a couple of them, including the Canon C and the TriStar horse named Sydney, who she never met but knows of. Both decide to have form a close bond. During the night, Carl to the Hall of Lost Mascots and talks to Marguerite. He decides to offer up his life in order to work with Columbia. They both then decide to work together on the subsidiary plan, which will free all of the, all the mascots in the Hall of Lost Mascots. During the night, Joseph Arthur, Madame Marguerite's close confidant, then tells her that she could get herself in even more trouble, and then decides to tell her the story of how she was created. Madame Marguerite wasn't evil. Fifty years ago, she was, all because there were many new mascots coming in, and she couldn't keep it all by herself, 
so she only kept the majors in the little three, which Columbia and Carl were of the little three. And that's the only reason Columbia is there. The following morning, they rise for the meeting of the opening guard. Madame Marguerite delivers her side of the story and delivers a verbal beatdown on Columbia and Leo and Carl. When Columbia offers her side, just by a paper, knowing that words would have failed, Madame Marguerite cries, tears of seeds. Columbia decides to comfort her. And they stay there, and she stays in that room for the rest of the day. Madame Marguerite knows she has to live up to her actions that day. So she decides to resign and put Parkinson in charge of the opening guard, while Madame Marguerite decides to start from the bottom to see if she can redeem herself. As Madame Marguerite's last act, she, puts, she decides to show Columbia that all the other mascots are going off to their respective locations. They both smile in pride. The end. Thoughts? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I get that a lot. That's a really good idea. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I think I, I think that that has potential, but it it would be difficult to get off the ground. Yeah. Like how difficult. Um, in, in the way that like all of these different properties, but but there's hope because in in about thirty years everything's gonna be owned by Disney anyway, so you should be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do kind of want to plan on having it become like a Disney film or something from Lucasfilm. Mm -hmm. This yeah. whole idea is another story in and of itself. You see. When I was young and film studio intros were kind of a thing, I thought, it would be kind of cool to make an animated film about that. Then it kind of just languished for about seven years. And then I come with it again. It was going to be like a sitcom, kind of like Parks and Rec or The Office. But then I thought, that, doesn't, that wouldn't really work. Then I decided to film in a different time period. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't work either. So then I decided to uh, turn it into like it's an animated film something akin to the thriller genre and fantasy genre but also keep it in a rather confined setting which eventually turned itself into this concept i actually had a few other characters um you know what the mascots i didn't mention they're dead and they aren't seen at all in the film mm. i also plan on having kind of like a little prequel series where you find out who these old mascots were like jackie and tanner the lion Uh, the pate rooster actually the pate rooster is in the, in the old is in the modern story just not as much mm -hmm. yeah those kinds of lost characters and i thought that yeah they could maybe be um respawned and brought back into the story and used as something like a prequel show yeah yeah i just really thought that it'd be a cool idea to do this animated film in this style It just came to me, and I was like, I have to do make this my magnum opus. And a lot of people think it's a great story. It's very different from what they would expect, and just completely thinks, and they're like, one direction is the usual direction. I just make a complete 90-degree turn to the right. Mm -hmm. uh, I just really think it was a fun idea to do. I, I've worked on the script. 
The dialogue, I don't think, is that great, but I'll maybe get someone who does know dialogue. I do. I could help you with that. Okay, uh, that's kind of what I'm trying to aim for. I'm thinking of having it be something like, uh, I mean, it's probably going to be PG uh, for a normal animated film. And the actors I'm considering for the characters, like, I really think Mary Elizabeth Winstead would make a great Columbia. Oh, yeah. Uh, Donald Kaluuya could make a great Leo the Lion. Ooh. Lea Seydoux would make a pretty good Madame Marguerite. Mm -hmm. uh, James McAvoy is Joseph Arthur. <laughs> Bill Hader is Carl. <laughs> Jonah Hill is Daryl. Okay. And uh, Matt Dillon is Hodkinson. Ah, all right. Kind of thinking on that, uh, it kind of, I just really like doing this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the big one I plan on doing, but I'm, it's not going to be my first story. It'll never be the first one. I, I will not make this first. I plan on doing other stories like like the one with the man that considers himself the protagonist, I think that should be my first. Yeah, but... Um, because it's... that one, I think, can really do better on a lower budget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's simple enough that way. Yeah, lower budgets are key. This thing could cost up to 250 mil, 200 mil yeah. in American dollars. Absolutely. Uh, I'd be lucky if it's 175. Oh, yeah. It's not something for illumination. They would pass this up for the best. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah, um, I wish you all the best for that. And maybe I can even help you with if, you, if you're really keen on doing this project. I will I will try to, to help you with that as, as, as good as I can. So, so. I guess, um, before we um, end this episode, I just want to yeah. do a little callback and say... Um, with my little idea of Bruce Campbell versus Minions, wouldn't it be great to, if it actually were still distributed by Illumination? And then you see the logo and you see the Minion like uh, about to scream, Illumination! But as soon as he tries, like, Illu, then like a giant fork comes and nails him to one of the letters, just like an army of darkness with one of the uh, small doppelgangers. <laughs> that. Uh... That, that could work. I mean, it'd probably be Illumination's best movie. I can guarantee you that. Yes, yes, it will be. It will be anyone's best movie because that concept is just too good. And I don't want to, like, uh, put myself in the floor like, oh, yeah, I'm awesome. But I'm like, this is actually a movie we might all need right now. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think that's it. Uh it was a nice episode, episode 27 of the show, and yeah, I am I just like doing this episode. It was a lot of fun. I did a bit of preparation. I made sure to turn down all the cell phones as well. <laughs> that's good. And that, that's proven very successful. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just going to call it a live tweet. Call, I mean, call it an episode then. Yeah, it, it is an it is an episode indeed. Um, I can just say thank you so much for doing this and uh, being so keen on uh, being a guest on here and uh, um, preparing so well. It was a lot of fun. You gave me a lot of great insights and it, uh, it did a lot of uh, 
good suggestions and ideas. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to what uh, what comes from this. So, um, in conclusion, where can people find you and your stuff? They can find me on Twitter at Mr. Scott, M-S-T-R Scott. And they can find me on Letterboxd at Scotsman02. Uh, two T's. Okay, that's awesome. Um, dear listeners, as always, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Lassefogt. I write German soundtrack reviews for scoregeek.wordpress.com. Um, uh, you can find fans about films, of course, on iTunes and SoundCloud. And I am the co-host of It's a 90s Christmas podcast with Lyle Perez, where we talk about 90s nostalgia in Christmas form. And we did already a couple of episodes and they have been successful. And there are more episodes on the way. So um, please uh, look for these shows. They're a lot of fun and I'm sure you will like them. So... Um, Uh, that's it for the 27th episode, just as you said. Thank you for being uh, a guest on here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I'll see who's going to be up for episode 28 then. Yes, yes, you will You will certainly see that. And uh, so, dear listeners, thank you for listening, of course. Um, uh, share and like if you like. And we both say now goodbye and good night. Goodbye then. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>